Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You are watching a master at work. Welcome on this Wednesday evening to NFL Trend Zone, the podcast of FranchiseTag.com. I am your host, Dustin Baker. I'm here with Wesley Johnson from Fran- Franchise Tagged and Jason Bolins joining us again. Uh, this week, we're going to rank the top 15 NFL offenses. It's kind of our series of ranking everything under the sun from quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and now on to offenses. So it should be a good time. We'll hop into that momentarily, but first we're going to talk about betonline.ag. The month of July is heating up with a ton of exciting sports action, and BetOnline is where you can find it. For example, Novak Djokovic is the overwhelming favorite to win Wimbledon this weekend. He, right now, as of Wednesday, is a negative 400 money line selection. So if you believe in the other guy, you can go bet on the underdog or pick Novak. Uh, in any event, head on over to betonline.ag to do that. From basketball and hockey playoffs to baseball's marquee matchups, Including prop bets and futures, Bet Online has the latest odds, news, and information for all of your sports online betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip off, face off, or pitch, head on over to betonline.ag and start playing today. Betonline.ag, your online sports book experts. The fourth installment in our series of off-season rankings on various things. Uh, we started with the quarterbacks, and then we went to running backs. Wide receivers was the trickiest exercise. I challenge you at home to try to do them on your own. It is not easy. Uh, and now we're to the offenses. We got three of us talking tonight, so we cut, we capped it at the top 15. I think that gives us enough time to have talking points on the best of the best. And let's see. I will start. I will go uh, at number 15. Uh, and I didn't do this just because of you, Jason. I have the Broncos at number 15. And I do that because no matter what happens, um, I know what they have in Bridgewater. So let's say that the Locke experiment does not go well. I don't think that will happen. I think Locke will do just fine. Uh, We've talked ad nauseum about all the weapons that they do have, and they're guaranteed to have a good running back because they always do that on that team. And I I think the wide receiving core is too um, plentiful, along with uh, Noah Fant, that I believe that aerially and on the ground that offense is worthy of a top 15 rankings it's probably too low for you uh, but I do have the Broncos at 15 and that edged out the Giants at 16 the Steelers at 17 and the Bengals at 18. Wesley who do you have at 15? Uh, 15 I have the Indianapolis Colts Uh, the roster that seemingly has everything they have a bevy of running backs uh, talented young wide receiver core um, dynamic tight ends, uh, steady vet and T Y Hilton. Um, they have the league's best offensive line. That's right. You heard me. Um, so what, are, what am I missing here? Oh yeah. Right. The quarterback, what did they do this off season? They went out and got their guy. They, they went out and got Carson Wentz and you know, they're going to insert him. He reunites with Frank, Wright, And boom, this offense is just going to click. And where does that, what tier does that put Winston instantly back to where he was in 2018 ish or in that, like maybe 15th, 16th backs, because that's probably all he needs to be for the offense to be good. 
Yeah, yeah, I would say, yeah, uh, somewhere in between 10 and 15, probably okay. on the lower end of that, like 15, like you said. Okay. All right. Well, that is fair. Jason, who do you have at 15? Yeah. So at number 15, I also have the Colts. I had to actually, when I was putting this list together, I actually had the Colts at 11 at one point, but I scratched it off, moved them back down to 15 because of the final thing that you mentioned with Wentz. Um, everything else they got, I mean, God, I think they were a top Weren't they like a top five unit last year? I mean, um, yard wise, and I think they might have been. Um, they dealt they, with a lot of injuries, which I think kept the numbers a little lower than they probably should have been. But yeah, I mean, I think collectively, yeah. But yeah, t- for the reasons you mentioned, all of them, I, I concur with. Um, but Wentz, I gosh, it's so hard with him. I, I, I part of me thinks that he's the. I don't know why I have this feeling with him, but I just feel like when the pressure is on, he crumbles. Um, He kind of reminds me when I think of Wentz, I think of Bo Callahan from the movie draft day. Not (laughs) if that makes any sense at all. I don't know why I think that way, but (laughs) now he's going to have more pressure than he's ever had than he's ever had. Um, So will he, you know, thrive in that? He should. Um, reuniting with his coach, but you know, we'll see, but yeah, I, I definitely a top 15 unit. Um, I had him at 11 at one point had to move him back down though. Winston, a Winston Wentz is paid handsomely and, um, the Colts were eighth best in the league in terms of points scored last year. So that was with rivers. So if you, if you take old rivers and prime Wentz age wise, then they should either wash or if Wentz truly sucks, all of a sudden, uh, then yeah, that's really the only way you can see they, they should dip because to Wes's point about the offensive line, when you have that, that good of trenches, uh, it's yeah. very seldom that you're going to have just a shitty team thereafter. So, uh, yeah. now that I hear you guys, now I feel like kind of a tool for having them all the way down at 19, but I guess I need to prove it from Wentz. So, you know, I tell you, yeah, I mean, the, the, if, if he can pull together a 14 game stretch, like he did in 2018, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I mean, they easily could be top three. Yeah. Yeah. That's the spooky part. All right, Wes, number 14, back up the snake. Uh, 14 Los Angeles chargers. Uh, they have the rookie of the year and uh, quarterback, Justin Herbert uh, talent at the wide receiver and running back positions. I uh, have perhaps the most upgraded offensive line this off season um, between them and Kansas city uh, for the offensive line upgrades. Uh, offense coordinator Joe Lombardi should call a more modern game uh, versus uh, the game that Anthony Lynn called. So it should hopefully op- open up uh, things for the Chargers. Uh, quarterback driven league, and it looks like the Chargers are uh, all in on you know trying to optimize Herbert in every every facet. Fourteen for Jason. Who do you got? Uh, 14 for me is going to be the Cardinals. They, uh, you know, could have been up higher. Um, I just can't, I can't take away any of the teams I have ahead of them. Um, you know, obviously you got the young, you know, Murray and, and, uh, Kingsbury, who's got a, a good offensive mind and, and one of my top receivers from last week in D hop and bringing in some other, you know, receivers to kind of shore that up a bit. But I, I, I watched them last year. There were times where they looked really good, 
but overly, I wasn't too impressed as the rest of the national media, I think, was with them. So we'll see. 14 is a good spot for them. 14, I have the New Orleans Saints. And the reason I have them there is when healthy, they've got about a top four wide receiver. When Michael Thomas is healthy, at least in terms of his resume before 2020, Alvin Kamara, a top four running back, and then coaching them a top four offensive mind. But they probably have about a top 22 quarterback, uh, depending how Jameis or Taysom busts out. Uh, so I, I tried to mathematically figure out where, where it's judicious to put these folks. And I decided 14 uh, is a fair mention for the New Orleans Saints. It's weird to envision a Saints team that's meh on offense. But if there's ever going to be a time for that, it will be now. Um, I have number 13. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers, because I, I I trust what Shanahan does, and it's pretty to watch, um, although his coaching record is upside down and nobody cares. Uh, the, I'm most curious about if it'll be Garoppolo or Lance out of the gate. I think whoever it is um, can pull that team to relevance on offense, and I trust Shanahan's tutelage in doing so, even if they're just guiding the ship. The problem has recently been the fact that Garoppolo cannot stay healthy, and that's why they drafted Lance. So if one of those guys, who's not named Nick Mullins, can stay upright, I do perceive the Niners offense as about 13th best in the league. Who is your 13th, Wes? Uh, 13 for me is the Niners as well. Uh, This is Shanahan's baby. Um, They are consistent quarterback play away from being higher on this list. Uh, dynamic collection of pass catchers, whether it's Debo Samuel um, or uh, Brandon Ayuk. Um, they um, have plug-and-play running backs, much like the Denver system of the old days. The offense line was decent uh, through injuries in um, 2020. And then, of course, they have uh, George Kittle, who's, you know, arguably one of the best tight ends in the game. I think I was listening back to an episode of this show. I believe it was, maybe it was a different show, but uh, we were talking about how, or maybe it was my Viking show. We're talking about how Shanahan um, kind of, it gets a pass because Garoppolo has been hurt. Or if you say like, well, yeah, you know, I'm not so high on the 49ers. People will say, well, it's, he's got Garoppolo there. And one of you or somebody on my Viking show said, well, that's his guy. That's the guy he wanted. So you can't really just give him a get-out-of-jail-free card when that's his guy. And whoever said that had an extremely valid point. Uh, let's see, Jason, you at number 13, who is it? God, you know, after your guys' takes on both of those, I, I feel almost feel <laughs> like a like an imbecile for not putting the Niners in here. Uh, <laughs> oh, I reason- with the Colts. Yeah, like, I mean, you got Shanahan and then – in. Got Kittle, who was like a fantasy savior for me last year. Um, so at 13, I got Denver. Uh, okay. I think this year has to be, has to be. I mean, they got to have at least a top 20, you'd think. But, uh, you know, you got Sutton, Judy, Patrick, Hamler, Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon, an offensive line that's been growing kind of similar to your Vikings. Uh, Cushenberry in his second year and Reisner in his third and Glasgow up there. And then obviously Bowles, who's according to PFF, the best tackle in football. Um, and then you throw in Noah Fant there. So, I mean, uh, I agree with Dustin with what you said. I mean, you know, Locke, you got to hope that he can he can really make that third-year jump. But if he does not, Teddy should be able to command the ship to at least a top, 
you know, you, you know exactly what you're getting with Bridgewater and it's never bad or putrid play. It may not be elite, but it's good. Yeah. And then, you know, I, the only criticism I hear about this guy, about Teddy is, you know, he's not going to be flashy, but he's going to move the chains. I'm like, that's a, that's a really good thing. I mean, <laughs> that's better than a three and out and a punt. You know, so we'll take that. But I think uh, this competition that they got is actually making both of these guys better. So we'll see. I got them at 13 this year. I'd like the record to show on the comparison to the Vikings and Broncos in a heartbeat. We'd switch offensive lines because we know yours can play. We hope that ours can make <laughs> yeah, the job. So yeah. thank you for that yeah. praise. We're well, not unless, it, it, unless you're listening to media in Denver, then then the offensive line is putrid. Well, that's you know. ridiculous. <laughs> you know, they don't know what putrid is. They've been saying the same thing for years. Well, what good's a quarterback going to do if he's always knocked down? Well, I mean, you got to, we're talking about Joe Flacco, right? Yeah. Statue. 12, Wes. Uh, 12, Los Angeles Rams. Uh, out goes Goff. In comes Matthew Stafford. Uh, this offense should improve with that alone. Uh, now factor in a uh, healthy second year from uh, Acres and growth of some of their young wide receivers. Um, the O-line also remains cons- uh, consistent, uh, I guess, going up in, in practice against Aaron Donald uh, throughout the year kind of <laughs> beats them into shape uh, for the rest of the league. But, uh, yeah, the Rams. Why are you lower than probably the two of us? Just because you need On to the see, Rams? yeah. Just because you need to see Stafford do it before you believe it. Yeah, I mean, I, I know the the stats uh, for Stafford in Detroit were, I guess, relatively comparable um, to Goff in a, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, this system is tailor made for quarterbacks, so um, Stafford should thrive, but. Um, the other teams I also have ahead of the Rams, I, I think. Just deserve it more? Uh, yeah. Okay, fair enough. I think that when it's all said and done this August, they're going to be my NFC Super Bowl team, at least to get there. Unless, because uh, I never picked the Vikings. It just feels like a moronic thing to do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as much as I would love it. Uh, so it's just a little, I think I tipped my hat on that before, but I'm pretty sure I'm trending towards Chiefs and Rams. Uh, Jason, what do you have at number 12 on your offense rankings? Number 12, I got the Saints. Um, oh, okay, cool. You know, I actually, um, you know, I've been saying this all year. I, I think the Saints are going to have maybe even a little bit more of an explosive offense than they have in years past. I believe that Sean Payton is literally licking his chops at what he can do with Jameis Winston. I think they're really going to open it up. Um, going to be a different kind of offense, I'm hoping. Um, but he's got all the tools Jameis does and um, with Thomas and Kamara and Obviously, Peyton calling the shots. I think that uh, they're going to be right up there. At number 12, I have the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, I do not believe that Herbert will experience a sophomore slump, although that would not be out of the question. Last year, um, they quietly were 18th best in the league for points scored. Most folks believe because he won rookie of the year that they were top 10. Um, They weren't quite there. They were close to top 20. Um, But we've talked about their weaponry, or one of his did. And I also have a long-standing side-eye admiration for Mike Williams, kind of that home run hitter that we don't see a lot of. He just does it quietly and streakily, streaky. Um, so, yeah, I, and Austin Eckler's money is a new age type of running back that catches the ball. And I don't think they'll regress. 
Um, and I think the sky's limit for Herbert. Therefore, I have them at number 12. It's back to me for number 11. Who do I have there? I have the Cardinals. I've talked a lot about them on this show. I do believe this is the year that Kyler Murray takes his uh, maturation next step, and I believe that will put him in MVP contention. Uh, I think he'd he'd be best served not to laser focus on Hopkins all the time and distribute the ball to Christian Kirk and Isabella, and they got a new dude there, didn't they, Wes? A.J. Green. Oh, yeah, A.J. Green. That's right, yeah. (laughs) He could have a – uh, wonderful second act there if that offense cliffs. Now, we also have talked about the, their suspect offensive line, and that's why I think most people are low on them or lower than I think that they should be because they've got the right. defensive players. They've got a make-or-break year for their head coach. Um, but I do believe in uh, Murray. Uh, so I, I have them at number 11. Who do you have? Uh, I have the Baltimore Ravens at number 11. Uh, they reshuffled their offensive line, added a bunch of playmaking wide receivers, uh, which should help diversify the passing game. Um, it's been kind of stagnant since Lamar Jackson has been there. Uh, it's been the Hollywood Brown and um, Andrews show uh, for the most part on that passing game or in that passing game. Um with the addition of Sammy Watkins, uh, Rashad Bateman, I, I think that there are enough pass catchers in that offense offense now to take it to the next level. Um, and also, you know, Lamar is going to look to prove people wrong. Uh, a lot of people are questioning his arm and, um, you know, now he has the weapons to uh, prove them wrong and more than likely also a, a new contract before the season starts. Number 11 for Wes is the Baltimore Ravens. Who is yours, Jason? I get the Falcons at 11. Wow. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Let's hear it. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> it, it, see, the, between 11 and 9, I had three teams that I I just really wasn't sure. But now the Falcons, they're always in the top, what, five? I mean, three. You got Ryan and, uh, you know, but they got, they've had Julio for so long, which has been uh, a big contributor for that, I think. Um, but yeah, don't get me wrong. You know, they still got the weapons. They got Ridley and we'll have to see how Pitts translates into the NFL. Although I think he's going to do remarkable. I think they just are going to be not quite as explosive as, as they have in years past. You think this is Ryan's final year in Atlanta? Yeah. I mean, what did they just sign him three more years? I mean, I know that there was, you know, there were, there was debate on whether the Falcons were going to take a quarterback this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, I can't, you know, we played him last year and it didn't look like he was slowing down at all. Now, granted it was, he was basically playing against our practice squad DBs, um, you know, so it's really hard to gauge, but he looked on point. Um, everything they did worked. Uh, so, you know, I don't know, we'll see, but it doesn't really matter if I think they're going to take us, you know, if he's, I I asked myself that question two years ago, you know, he just seems like he's been in the year for league for two decades, it seems. (laughs) Um, but he doesn't seem to slow down every year. They top the stat sheet on offense. So, um, I think they take a small step back this year, but still a very dominant force. The weird thing about him, and you'll have to uh, tell me to shut up if I said this on this show is that with Matt Ryan on the Falcons, I consider them about a 5-12, and 6-11 and 11 team. But if for some reason he like just hovered over, levitated to the Broncos and was their starting quarterback, I would put them 
AFC championship contenders. That's how different the dynamic can be uh, because they have the offense. I think they have the offensive line to protect him in Denver. Um, Not that he's rumored to go there, but that's how, that's how quarterbacks can be perceived differently in different situations. He just feels he's probably getting stale in Atlanta and I don't know where he'll spend his second act, but I don't, I don't think he's close to done because he's such a passer and he's always been a pure passer that I think that he could thrive elsewhere. Well, you know, and, yeah, I mean, he, he could, he could, I don't have a doubt in my mind, but you know, you look at it, it, you look at Stafford when he had the anchor of Megatron too. Um, you know, you take him away. Yeah. He was still good, real good, yep. but you know, that yeah, I mean, you, yeah, one of the best receivers to ever play the game takes right. covers up a lot of sins. Yeah, it <laughs> sure <Yeah>. does. <laughs> I, I got that line from uh, Schlereth too, by the way. <laughs> Hopefully they get that. Hope the believe people snag that and then tag him or something. <laughs> All right, to bring us to the top 10, Wes. Uh, top 10. Uh, number 10, I have the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, this is year three for Kyler. Usually uh, the next year uh, that uh, quarterbacks make that jump. Um, the addition of AJ green, as mentioned before, will help from the, uh, Denard Hopkins, uh, dependence, uh, some marginal upgrades along the offensive line, uh, running back, uh, remains a long-term question mark though. What are they rolling with right now? Chase Edmonds, Chase Edmonds and James Connor. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Every time you say that, I- I don't know. He's such, he's such a, just, uh, what do you want to call it? Just a, a filler of carries to me. Yeah. I, every time I watch the Steelers, it's like, he does nothing to sizzle. It's yeah. like he gets four yards and it's like the, just the quintessential, like nineties running back that, you know, gets you a thousand yards. If you give him the ball 400 times, that's my perception. Right. Oh, oh, the, media, the media tried to spin that though. and make him seem real good though. When Le'Veon was doing his holdout. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Didn't they remember that? Yeah. yeah. Wow, who's missing Le'Veon now? <laughs> who's your number 10? We on me? Hey, oh, yeah. 10. Uh, 10, I got the Rams. I got the Rams there at 10. I think, uh, you know, with um, with uh, McVay still running the show there and, and Sta- uh, Stafford coming over, um, man, I think that that, uh, you know, that could go either way. I think it's going to. You know, it could even be higher, but I, I really like their receivers with Woods and Cup. Um, they do have a, a plethora of different random running backs that they can use. Um, so I like the Rams at 10. My top 10 starts off with the Seattle Seahawks, which sounds like it's going to be lower than you two. Um, the only reason I do that is because the offensive line has been long neglected and famously neglected because it came to a head this offseason when the quarterback almost requested a trade. And they have a, a good running back in Chris Carson, who usually gets hurt for a few games. And then they've got Lockett and Metcalf. And to me, it is, it's a damn good offense that's worthy of the top 10, but I know what I'm getting with them. They're going to probably start strong out of the gate. And then in the divisional round or a- NFC championship, they're going to lose. It just happens almost like the Packers. It's predictable. And I don't think it has enough sizzle to oust the talents on the nine teams that I'll mention in the next 20 minutes. So Probably too low on the Seahawks, but uh, I think until they invest in their offensive line, they're going to hover uh, at this, you know, not too shabby 10th ranking. 
At number nine, I have the Cleveland Browns, which also might be a little bit low, um, but I think it's hinge, it hinges on Baker Mayfield. There are times when I, I watch him where I'm like, God, he just isn't quite what the other ones are. Like we saw Josh Allen take his huge step. Uh, Baker didn't take a huge step, but he fit within the offense comfortably, and that made him look very good. Now, and then there's also games that I watch Baker Mayfield. And I'm like, geez, that was a sweet, you know, rifle of a pass. And then they've got uh, probably the best one to the best one to tandem of HB1, HB2 in the business with Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And then Odell, if he can stay healthy, Jarvis Landry, the hodgepodge of tight ends, that's always good. So, yeah, I think they are worthy of number nine in the league. Who is your number nine, Wes? Uh, let me channel uh, Bill Belichick here and uh, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Seattle Seahawks here. And uh, it begins and ends with Russell Wilson. Um, you know, they got Metcalf, Lockett, Chris Carson. Um, they added um, Gerald Everett at tight end, who should be do good for them. Uh, you mentioned the offensive line issues, um, which keeps them from being higher on this list, but uh, it starts and ends with Russell Wilson. Um, we saw it as Viking fans single-handedly last year where so predictable got the ball back, took it 97 yards down the field ball game. So everybody in the upper Midwest knew exactly that that was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Every single person <laughs> on my birthday, no less. <laughs> uh, who do you got at number nine, Jason? Yeah, number nine, I also got the Seahawks. Uh, Ooh, concur okay. with uh, both of what you guys said. So back to back AFC or NFC West teams for me there. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, you got, wh- wh- why will they not fix that O line? I mean, no, I, it's it's like Rogers and. Um, drafting a wide receiver in the first round. <laughs> it's like they do it on purpose inexplicably. Yeah, yeah I know. They, don't, they just don't do it. It's like they they hear it and then on draft night they giggle and they're like, We're not gonna we're not <laughs> yeah. gonna do it. Like he wants yeah. to do it, so we're not gonna do it. It's like a game. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's crazy too, because you, you called it to perfection. I mean, last year up until about week seven or eight, it's like nobody's gonna stop this team. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and because of how good they looked by airing it out and Russell doing his thing, you know, you, you completely gloss over the fact that his offensive line is putrid. Mm-hmm. And then right. once, you know, you got about a half a season worth of tape, which, you know, teams do. And then they start to account for some of that stuff, taking away coverage and whatnot. And then, then boy, oh boy, that's awful. You know, and thankfully he can scramble <laughs> and make some moves with his legs a little bit, but. Yeah, and that's exactly why it got so frustrating for him and damn near became a trifecta of quarterbacks wanting out between Watson himself and ultimately Rodgers. And I think that's that might have – remember, Wes, back in February, early February, when they said that there's going to be unprecedented turnover at quarterback position, like it was going to be a round yeah. robin? I think that they knew the Rodgers stuff, they knew the Wilson stuff, and they knew the Watson stuff. Yeah. And then, and then for the most part, it stayed quiet because of Watson's shenanigans, Wilson with the Kumbaya, and then Rogers is still twisting in the wind. Um, but I think that's probably what was hinted at because all in all, it seemed like it was a somewhat normal off season for quarterback turnover, maybe a little extra with wins being traded and things, but uh, that was a powerful talking point by league execs. So, yeah, 
Nick, we're up to you at number eight. Uh, yeah, number eight for me, I have the Minnesota Vikings. I believe they finished in the top 10. Uh, I mean, yeah, they did finish in top 10 statistically last year uh, with a porous offensive line. Uh, that line should improve this year. Um, changes at the uh, offense coordinator position and tight end one could take some time uh, to gel. Uh, an improved defense will allow the offense to not uh, solely have to carry the team this year. Um, so that'll keep some of those statistical numbers down. I'm assuming uh, there is a concern regarding the lack of wide receiver depth. Jason, your number eight. Yeah, I got, I got Minnesota there <laughs> as well, actually. Um, you know, I mean, I think, you know, if, if that O-line can, can show improvement, which I, I believe it will, I mean, they've been building it for a few years now um, and everybody can stay healthy. I think, you know, and I, I think I called it out, you know, a few pods ago, I mean, really balanced offense, great offense on paper. Um, so I, uh, you know, I don't see any reason why they can't be top eight, potentially higher. I yeah. think uh, aside from number one, this will be our only trifecta because I have the Vikings as well. Uh, I think that somehow Dalvin Cook is underrated. He's the ultimate engine of this Zimmer-led offense who is one of the what only five or so coaches left that insist on running the ball. And that's what Cook is there for. And then Jefferson's emergence was rapid and humongous. Uh, Thielen's twisted into, or I guess, uh, become a guy who scores touchdowns rather than getting the yards. That's Jefferson's job. And, uh, I think if Minnesota can piecemeal together the offensive line, this, this young offensive line into something that's just average, uh, then we'll get to see the full power of what cousins can do on a team that is pretty stacked every place else. So I think eight is more than fair for the Vikings. Uh, and number seven, I have the Rams higher than both of uh, you guys. I believe that uh, this is the ultimate chance. Like if you were going to write in a fiction novel or a screenplay, where should Matt Stafford, Stafford go to prove all this stuff everybody's always said about him? Well, you got your young offensive-minded head coach. You got it in sunny California. Uh, then you've got Aaron Donald, by the way, on the other side of the team. I think it's absolutely storybook for him to get his shot to be what everybody thinks he is. And uh, I, I believe in the depth to their receiving core. And then uh, Cam Akers should get the bulk of all the touches this year. And I don't know a whole lot about their offensive line, um, but I don't think I've ever heard any malcontent over it. So they are my presumed Super Bowl front runner from the NFC as of July 7th. Uh, but I will take them at number seven on the offensive rankings, which brings us to Wes at number seven. Uh, number seven, this is where I have the Cleveland Browns. Um, the Browns are going to get a full non-COVID offseason uh, in Stefanski's system, which should should do wonders for Baker Mayfield uh, and the rest of the offense. Um, they have one of the better offensive lines in the league, uh, two uber-talented wide, wide receivers and running backs. Um, they do lack wide receiver depth behind um, Beckham and Landry, though. Um, with that, yeah, that, that's who I had at seven. Uh, what about you, Jason? So this is where it gets really dicey for me because 
you know, it, and it, especially when you guys are announcing yours, it's like, God, man, what, you know, <laughs> but it's like, you know, these could really, at number seven, I got Tennessee, yeah. um, you know, and Tennessee in my mind, especially with the addition of Julio could be, could be much higher than this, but I, I just don't know what team that I would replace them with if I did that. So um, I still think that they're going to be a ground and pound team, obviously dominate through the, you know, by running the ball um, with Henry, but I think, I think there'll be a little bit more of a pass happy team. I mean, they did good through the air last year. Tannehill's a, a good game manager and he can open it up when he needs to. So I think, uh, I think, you know, they could have been higher, but I think, I think seven is a good spot for them. Wouldn't be surprised if they ranked top five either though. Yeah. Uh, seven is a little low on, on my list for, for the Titans, but um, I, I hear what you're saying um, in regards to how, how well Julio will kind of fit within their system that, you know, that does make some sense that it, it might be an adjustment time. Who is your number six, Wes? Uh, my number six is the Dallas Cowboys. Um, this all hinges, of course, on the health of one Dak Prescott. Uh, the offensive line also should be healthy and ready to maul people again. I believe they're missing four of their five starting offensive linemen for a large portion of last year. Uh, they have arguably the best wide receiver room in the league. Uh, emerging tight ends in... Schultz and Jarwin. And then of course they have Zeke. So uh, this is where I got the Dallas Cowboys number six. My number six is the Baltimore Ravens. I'm one of the few guys left in America that enjoys running the football as a modes to an offense. I don't know if I'm old school. I just like the fact that uh, it keeps the time of possession under control. That's if you look at statistics, that's usually how football games are won. Now, I don't, I don't dislike airing the ball out, but I do like balance. And I think with the proper play calling, the Ravens, who ranked ninth in the point scored last year, uh, can bring that to fruition. And I, I do enjoy watching Lamar Jackson play. And I, I think they are due with his, we've talked a lot about a quarterback's development. I think they are due to reach a Super Bowl. I don't know if it'll be right away here in 2021. Uh, but they do enough, and they did enough with the uh, wide receiving core to make it passable. Uh, so I like the Ravens at six. Have you revealed your number six, Jason? I have not, but I might as well just reveal that I don't have I don't have the Baltimore Ravens on this list. <laughs> did you for, forget them? No, 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 I didn't. Uh, kind of like you know me writing the Colts down in three different spots earlier. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't know why I don't I didn't put them on here. I. I I honestly don't because I too enjoy, really enjoy watching Lamar play. Um, I just hope that they can figure out, you know, obviously they, they ground and run it and I hope they can figure out a way to, to uh, what am I, what's the word that I'm looking for? Get one thing to compliment another there in, in Baltimore. I just don't know. And by last year or anything I've ever seen out of Lamar, it doesn't appear that he'd ever slow down. Mm-hmm. But I, I just don't know that. I, how did I not have him in the top 15? I don't know. He, he's they got to be in there. But either way, I didn't. Um, my number six is Buffalo. Ooh, okay. Buffalo. Uh, All right. You know, uh, yeah, I think Josh Allen and, and Diggs got something good cooking there. And I, I really like their, uh, you know, I like Dayball calling the shots over there. And hopefully, you know, and 
secret. I, I hope Denver gets him as a coach next year. But it, you mean if Fangio doesn't take if, him to the postseason? You know, you're right. Yeah, correct. You know, River, so Riverboat Vic. Riverboat. I do like Vic, but you know, he, he doesn't even doesn't even bother talking to the offense at all. Doesn't talk to him. It sounds like a Vikings head coach. <laughs> yeah. no, we need to have therapy session. Uh, Wes, Wes, did you do your six already? I did. That okay. was the Dallas Cowboys. All right, then it's time for me to lead with uh, five, which I have as the Buffalo Bills as well. Let's see. They are one of the the rare teams that can have a top five offense and casual Americans don't even know who their running back is. Fantasy football players might, but, uh, you know, I don't know that somebody who side-eye watched NFL would know Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, but they make up for it. Uh, Their quarterback took one of the biggest third-year jumps that I can remember. Uh, He was not bad in his first or second season, but he was inaccurate and he was trending at a rate of inaccuracy that was spookily similar to a lot of guys that didn't work out like Jake Locker and such, but he fixed it and he got a weapon in uh, Stefan Diggs that gelled perfectly in Buffalo. And I like the, use that term loosely. I, I like the bills, the way that they have built that. And it seems like minus a Diggs injury, it's, it's bulletproof. I don't see Alan taking step back, regressing. So I'll take the Bills as top five. Who's your five, Wes? Uh, Bills as well. Oh, boy. Uh, I just talked a lot about them. <laughs> no, that's fine. So, yeah, the offense took a, took a giant leap with the addition of Diggs, like you mentioned. Uh, they added Emmanuel Sanders this offseason, who should help uh, take away some of that uh, double coverage that uh, will shadow Diggs. Uh, they have a great offensive line. Um, I forget what team they were playing, but I just remember this clip from last year where Allen had probably 15 seconds in the pocket. Like he threw down cardboard. He was break dancing, getting the groove <laughs> on, waiting for Diggs to come open, and then just you know threw a bullet down the field. Um, it was absurd. Uh, as a Vikings fan, it, it, it was absolutely absurd. Um, <laughs> Still need better production from the running back position, as you mentioned, kind of a uh, um, position with uh, – I was going for a Game of Thrones quote. The the man without any face, the, that's kind of the running back position for them. Yeah, and it, it works just fine. Hey, yeah. Dustin, you guys don't forget that you guys forgot to mention the guy that played every game last year. Devin Singletary. Devin yeah. Singletary, yeah. <laughs> we don't yeah. even know who they, who they are. I had Devin Singletary <laughs> on fantasy, and every time they'd break off a good run, I was getting excited and then realized it wasn't even him. Yeah, it was, it was Moss. Moss, or they, they got another one, too. Yeah, so. didn't they have, did they have an old vet in there, too, Wes? I'll, I'll look him up when next uh, person's talking. I thought they I did. Forget. Yeah. I'll go, I'll go look it up. Uh, let's see. That was your number five. Jason, do you have a number five? This is where I got the Packers. Oh, I forgot to uh, caveat all of this. I did these rankings as if Rodgers is not going to play for the Packers. So I should, I should have said that at the onset, but continue, sir. Oh, well, yes. So, I mean, I, I was debating where in the world to put these guys. I, you know, cause he, <laughs> one day it's, he's out of there. The next day he's not. Um, but yeah, assuming that he comes back and everything is, 
is uh, business as usual as it was last year. Um, you know, it's hard to put them outside the top five. I mean, with Devonte and, and Jones, I mean, they're going to be, they're going to be stacked assuming that they all, it, he does in fact come back and play football for him. Yeah. The, the guy we were thinking of, he came on at the last three games of the season for the bills was uh, TJ Yeldon. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. He didn't really do any much, but he was there <clears throat> and, you guys might remember him from your waiver wire memories. Uh, but yeah, it was the Moss and Singletary show for Buffalo. Uh, so you have the Packers at number five. That brings us to Wes. Did you reveal the number five? Yes. Uh, okay. We both had. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. So Wes, you're at number four. Uh, number four. This is where I have the Packers. Uh, will we see number 12? Um, if so, uh, this offense remains a threat and should be in the top five. Um, he alone helps elevate the wide receiver room outside of Adams. Uh, Robert Tanyan proved himself as a tight end last year. Um, this offense does a running back by committee approach led by Aaron Jones. Uh, I know they pay Jones like he's the, the lead back, but um, I haven't seen it. Uh, I've seen a lot of running back by committee over the last few years. Um, and then they have a offensive line that's allowed to hold uh, most games uh, without getting flags called on. So that's always beneficial. When, if this, uh, we get to August and Rogers trots out and he's the quarterback, what will all of this accomplish? Just like nothing. Yeah. Like what will he have gained besides a reputation of being wishy-washy like his predecessor? That's why I can't see it ending. Like he was asked on the golf course, are you coming back? And he said, we'll see. And that's what my mom used to say to me when it meant no. Yeah. That's ridiculous. He he has absolutely (laughs) nothing to gain at all and everything to lose. He he can't go back. I mean, he just can't do it to save his own face. Really? I mean, what's he going to say to people then? Right. (laughs) We'll see. Oh, he'll be forgiven. Oh yeah, of course he will make no mistake. (laughs) It'll be ever, it'll it'll be like this bold plan that only he knows. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, (laughs) maybe, maybe they insured him. They're going to draft a receiver. Right. (laughs) Right. All right, Jason, who's your number four? Number four. I got Cleveland coming in hot at number four. I I see. I got him a little higher than you guys did. I, I really, Really love what they're doing there. Stefanski, um, when he got there, I mean, you know, them get Cleveland getting a playoff win last year was huge. I think that that's um, and the growth that Baker has has made over the course. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he hasn't made that leap necessarily quite like like Allen, but Dustin, you alluded to it, man. There were some games where he looked perfect, mm-hmm. and the biggest leap I think for him was his maturity level and leadership skills. I think that, I mean, he's had to grow in, in different areas where I don't think Allen ever lacked any of that stuff. He just could focus on his game. Baker had to focus on a couple other different things, but I think, uh, you know, um, I think that, uh, that they're going to AFC championship potentially this year. Hmm. All right. Number four for me is the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, They will win the NFC East. I am guaranteeing it. Uh, They are too talented everywhere. Uh, Prescott is back healthy. They're three-way monster at wide receiver of Cooper, Gallup, and Lamb is too damn good. Uh, Zeke probably, Ezekiel Elliott probably has 
two to three prime years left. Uh, I think they are, they, the defense couldn't figure it out last year in that nasty display of ineptitude. Uh, <laughs> I, th- I think that they, they drafted enough to make it decent. And I, I, they're spooky. I, th- I think they're a team that's going to be there in late January. And so I'm going to take the Cowboys as the fourth best offense in the NFL. And then at number three, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because that's another team. Uh, the only thing that uh, potentially go wrong is that at some point, unless he retires, Brady will encounter a game or a series of games where he's not quite himself. We saw it with Peyton Manning in 2015 with Brady. It just never happens. Uh, so it'll probably end up being on his terms. But even if he's just average, he's got all of the playmakers on earth to make him look better. And even the old ones like Gronkowski and, you know, Antonio Brown, who's not quite the dude that he was in 2016, 2017, all over the board. uh, They are stacked. They even had their draft in April when it was like, well, we don't need anything. So we might as well draft some guys. (laughs) And it it, it just, yeah. And I'll, I'll say this forever. Uh, but especially throughout the rest of this offseason is Tampa Bay Buccaneers won the Super Bowl and for not one single week during the regular season did anybody ever think they were the best team in football. And that was so strange. Uh, so that's who I have at number three. Wes, who's your third best offense in the business? Uh, number three for me is the Tennessee Titans. Uh, the addition of Julio catapults them up the list here. Uh, A.J. Brown is exciting. Uh, Derrick Henry is coming off 2,000-plus uh, rushing yards. Uh, offensive line is phenomenal. Uh, Tannehill just has to keep making the next right play. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the Titans are, are definitely going to have a breakout on offense this year, um, and they, they should finish within the top three um, for offense rating. I do have um, – the Washington football team taking the NFC East over the Dallas Cowboys. We're going to have to do some. that one. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Okay. You got got a lot of faith in the beard. (laughs) Jason, number three for you. You The Cowboys at number three. Um, Yeah. They, assuming Dak can come back healthy, like you said, they're going to be, and you got CD lamb with the second, second year coming out. Um, Oh man. I, Assuming everybody stays healthy on that team, I think they'll pick up right where they left off before Dak's injury, um, which was just sheer domination. I mean, granted, their defense was so bad that they needed all that, um, but they were, I mean, they were putting up 40, 50 points a game. Yeah. Oh, I mean, at least that's what Dak was getting me in fantasy, and I was perfectly <laughs> fine with that. No, so, they were they were uh, putting up in the thirties and forties and Dak was having those 500 yard games. And yeah, yeah, it was, it was criminal that he had to get hurt because uh, you know, at that time he didn't know he was even going to get a contract. They had that stupid right. saga for way too long. So you've got the Cowboys at three and that brings us to the top two. Um, let's see Wes at number two. Uh, Wes at number two, I have the Kansas city chiefs, which might shock a few people here. Uh, they have a completely revamped offensive line. Uh, should keep the franchise upright, um, unlike in the Super Bowl. Uh, they have all-league tight end in uh, Travis Kelsey and all-world wide receiver in Tyreek Hill. Um, running backs group is a solid 
uh, young bunch, uh, wide receiver depth is a little bit of a concern uh, for me here, which uh, keeps them out of the number one spot. Okay, that's fair. And the weird thing is, aside from you saying that this moment, nobody cares about, like nobody nationally cares about that. It's, yes. uh, if that was most other teams, it would be like, what's the deal with that? They just don't invest after Hill. But with them, it's like, no, who cares? And to that, I say go back and watch the Super Bowl <laughs> and all the stone hands that Mahomes had to deal with. So Yeah, no, that, that's, that's very valid. But for some reason, it has to be uh, Mahomes' otherworldly uh, demeanor. It's that it would just say, like, okay, Demarcus Robinson, that's cool. You know, and then on a lot of teams, he'd be like a WR four or five. Right. Yeah. It, but with the Chiefs, it's like, oh, yeah, he's going to score. So <laughs> bizarre. Yeah. Number two, Michael Jason. Hardman, I guess, is yeah. The, yeah. the number two. Uh, they just came out today and said that he's going to line up opposite Tyreek. So, so yeah, they got two little. Yeah, he's he's really, really good. Michael yeah. Hardman. I mean, he'll be what third year coming up. Uh, I remember I when so. he was drafted because. It was we were trying to figure out if Hill was ever going to play again, and that was right. 2019. I remember it because the Vikings took Irv Smith in the second round. It had nothing to do with that whatsoever, but I remember where I was when that happened. And so, yeah, it was Hardman, and he had the same type feel as Hill, so he was going to be the Hill heir apparent if Hill never played again. Right. Who is your deuce, Jason? So number two, I got I got Tampa. I got Tampa and obviously that leaves the Kansas city chiefs for number one for me. Um, so I might as well just, just let that out there now. Uh, super bowl, um, teams one and two, uh, Tampa. I mean, I had two of their receivers in the top 15 last week. Um, you mentioned, the the, the veteran stars. I, you know what, Antonio Brown, um, uh, Gronk Fournette. They still got Fournette over there. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, those guys don't even come to my mind when I think of that team, but they're, they're there. And, you know, it's one of those teams where they probably have a top three, top five offense and defense. It's just incredible mm-hmm. what they did there. And, um, you know, with Brady, I, yeah, I, people were comparing him to Manning and thinking he was going to take that cliff dive five years ago. He's won three Super Bowl since <laughs> uh, it's never going to happen with him. <laughs> The uh, funny part about the Buccaneers is when they were heading into the NFC championship at Lambeau, we were kind of sizing up thinking, God, like how can they beat the MVP Rogers? How can they go in there and do it? And based on what they did there and then did to the chiefs. Now we're saying the same thing about them. It's like, God, who can, who can touch that roster? And it's like, what a difference two weeks makes because they didn't do anything different to the roster in the off season. They just retained everybody. And because right. they showed the medal to win the Super Bowl, now they're the presumptive favorite, which is more than fair. Uh, but it's it's very, very strange how um, heading into the conference championship, we were like, "Ah, can Brady do it again?" And then he did. <laughs> it's <laughs> wild. All right, my number two is the Tennessee Titans, and I, I believe the Julio Jones edition does something different than the rest of the world will tell you. It's not so much that he frees up A.J. Brown or he's going to get his yards. It's They don't have to rely on Derrick Henry for as many touches as they would have in 2019 or 2020. Now, it's beneficial to give him that many touches, but if they want to preserve his lifespan as a running back, bringing on Julio Jones does just that. You no longer have to make Henry the, you know, the number one 
rushing attempt gentlemen in the entire world because you have mouths to feed uh, through the air. So I think it gives them balance that they've never had before, although they sacrificed a tight end sort of to uh, acquire Jones in a backward sort of way. Uh, I really like the fact that it makes Henry not the focus of the offense, even though he can be when you need him to. Uh, and then Tannehill, uh, he's got that same itis that Cousins has, Kirk Cousins, or uh, that Derek Carr would have, where you, you, he doesn't jump off the page as a top 10 guy. But when you dig through the numbers, especially with Tannehill, maybe not Carr, it's, uh, wow, this guy does it like with the rest of the elites. And he just doesn't quite have the pizzazz to put him there, but he does it week in and week out. And it's, it's nuts that when, when they started 2019 to 2019, they didn't even know if he was going to play at all. They were going with Mariota. So I have the Titans at number two, take us home West with your number one. And then I'll give my chief speech. Uh, Number one for me, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Uh, the champs, the champs stay the champs until otherwise noted. Uh, Brady is ageless. ageless. Uh, they have a trio of potential all pro wide receivers, uh, bevy of cast off running backs, uh, tight, tight ends and Gronk and Howard, uh, to keep defenses honest, uh, solid offensive line. And they're returning all the same starters, as you mentioned, Dustin, uh, which can only help continuity. So, uh, Number one for me, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right. And then on the Chiefs is my number one. They earned that uh, positioning because of their reconditioning of their offensive line. They did what I would have done in Madden if I was playing and my offense was terrible in the championship. You start going around free agency and start, you know, floating trade offers out and you say like, give me this guy. He's got a 95 overall rating. Give me this guy. He's got a 92 overall rating. And they went and did exactly that to make sure that that never happens again. And I, I give them kudos for doing that. Um, sometimes offensive line acquisitions aren't the sexiest to Wes's point. They could afford to add another wide receiver, but they're like, we're good. We just need to keep our Superman upright. And here's how we're going to do it. Uh, I also think that Clyde Edwards Hilaire will get better in his second year. Out of the gate, he looked pretty good last year, but then kind of fizzled, at least in terms of uh, how he was portrayed on a weekly basis. Uh, but I, I really don't think Mahomes falls into that Aaron Rodgers send, syndrome where he only has one Super Bowl and never has it again. I think that he will, even though teams don't repeat this day and age, I think he'll kind of alternate like Brady has over the last eight years that Mahomes is always there and he's going to start racking them up. And I fully expect them to win the Super Bowl this year. And I think it'll be led by their top ranked offense. We're going to beat that top ranked offense this year. (laughs) You got it on tape. That's the number one defense. If we're never going to do defense, I'm taking Denver right now. Oh, no defense. So I'm, I'm gone next week for our second uh, final vacation of the year, family vacation. So we'll be back two weeks from tonight. And I think top 15 defense is an apropos one to do. And then maybe we'll transition out of the, It'll be about time for training camps and stuff. So we can get back yeah. on regular breaking news types of shows. Are you going to uh to Vikings training camp? I will. Yeah. That's uh end of July, July 31st. We're going to the Saturday practice, the Saturday night practice. And then uh, I think we're going to go to a preseason game against the Broncos, believe it or not, um, <laughs> because we're going to use it as a tester kit to see if my son can handle a, a game. It'll be five in October. And 
the Vikings just had to schedule a Halloween night game for a, mm. a, a dad that has young kids. It's a <laughs> oh, decision. So yeah. I, I asked my daughter if she would like to go do a, a trunk or treat the night before dress up and then also go to a Vikings game and dress up. And uh, I sold her on that. So she'll get to do Halloween twice. That'll be and, a good time. Yep. I think we'll be able to pull it off. She, she went to a, a Vikings lions game in 2019 and she, she had a great time. So I think we'll be able to pull it off. I think I'm going to make it to sweet. Denver's training camp this year too. So that'll oh, be neat. Sweet. But you know, since, since we talked about offenses tonight and uh, your number two team was Tennessee mm-hmm. and uh, had some good talking points on Tannehill. Can we, can we just take a moment of silence and uh, ridicule Adam Gase just for a minute <laughs> and what that man almost did to Tannehill yeah. permanently, permanently right. uh, destroyed two teams uh, yeah, the Jets and the Dolphins, same conference, should shouldn't even have had the jobs, right? You know, there was a time where I was clamoring for Adam Gase to be the head coach of my Broncos. Thank God he did that. Didn't happen ever. And yeah, no, he he <clears throat> he rode coattails, and we had no way of knowing it at the time. Um, you know, yeah, Peyton Manning, he has to thank for yeah, his coaching opportunities. Yeah, no, he he uh, <laughs> we thought well, we thought somewhat that he was at least a co-architect of what they did in 2013 and 2014. I mean, you, you couldn't really just ignore that the offensive coordinator would get credit for those astronomical seasons. So I, I thought it was fair that he got a gig, but then both places, uh, especially the jet stop, it, it was like strife, you know, players yeah. were, players were saying like, you know, I don't want to play for this dude. And I can't, oh, I, man. I can't imagine being a writer or a fan of a team where you're writing about like, well, let's see that Le'Veon Bell doesn't like the coach and you're just typing away. <laughs> and, and, just, like, and like, you're the only one that can understand that's not a good thing. It's certainly fair <laughs> right. to say more than fair to say that, that, that man should never have another coaching opportunity in the, in the league again. He Head just, coaching? He, yeah. Or, well, or coordinator. He hasn't proven, <laughs> he, he hasn't proven that he can do it. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe you know, I mean, one of the Manning grandkids comes up and then he can. Because <laughs> I mean, geez, he, yeah. Well, even, uh, even if, uh, you know, having an offensive coordinator job, I mean, you would have thought that he would have been able to get some offense out of one of those teams. I mean, he leaves Miami turns around and they look okay. <laughs> the jets are probably going to have a nine and seven record this year and probably look competent. I mean, yeah. that yeah. guy was the central problem. If it wasn't for him, Manning would have thrown 80 touchdowns. <laughs> oh, it's, it's just delicious. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be back in two weeks with top 15 defenses uh, to round out our rankings uh, segment. Um, that's all we got tonight. And you're peace. watching a master at work. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.